Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we talk about how you and your organization can take your next step in your leadership journey. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we really do believe your church can grow, your church should grow, and your personal growth as a leader really does make a difference. Now, I'm actually the host today. We're going to do a little bit of a different format. Um, Logan was kidnapped by aliens and is not available for this particular podcast. Um, But moving forward, there are some incredible leaders that I want to be able to ask some questions and interview them. I believe leaders are learners and I believe um, we've got some great leaders lined up on this particular podcast to learn from. And um, one of the first ones we're going to, or actually the first one we have the privilege of talking to is one of my really good friends, Holly Brown. Holly and her husband, Chris, and their three kids and 47 dogs and 87 (laughs) farm animals live right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and Holly has had the privilege of serving on um, a couple church staffs and doing a couple really awesome things. So, Holly, how how are you doing today? How's life in Tennessee? Oh, it's wonderful, Perry. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today and um, talking about women in leadership. So, thanks for having me. Hey, it's that I'm so glad you just kind of ripped that wide open because that's what we're going to talk about (laughs) um, because it's it's a hot topic right now. Lots of people are talking about women in leadership. And what I'm finding is it's a very binary topic. Either you're on this side or you're on this side. And there's a lot of opposing views and you know, people are just fighting it out. And I was like, well, um, the one thing I've noticed in regards to people talking about women in leadership is nobody is actually engaging women in the conversation. <laughs> Go figure in leadership. So I thought, wow, I'll just see if Holly will dive into this um, conversation. So Holly, you currently serve as the executive pastor for Embrace Church. Am I right? Yes, that's correct. And you've been on staff with them for about? Uh, For about a year and a half now. Yeah. And you've you've been executive pastor on a couple church staffs over the past five to 10 years, right? Yes. I've been in senior leadership, um, different roles, executive director, executive pastor is probably the comfort level of what (laughs) that lead pastor wants to call me. (laughs) Sure. Exactly. Exactly. So let me just start out with this question. What are, what do you think are the advantages and then the disadvantages of being a woman in senior leadership? Sure. Um, so I think, well, the, the glaring advantage of being a woman in senior leadership is that to have a female on the team at all, I mean, females are going to know 50% of your audience better than you do. So half the people you're trying to reach, you've now got somebody in the room that knows them better probably than everybody else in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've hired your first female senior leader. Um, so, and I think, you know, females, we just like males and females. I mean, we all have unique differences um, that we bring to the table. So, uh, you know, in, in, in the context that I've seen, females tend to bring um, another level of warmth to right. a staff. Uh, they can build trust very quickly. Um, and, and, and they also are able to oftentimes to manage multiple things. And, um, and I don't say that in any way to slight men, because I think that the, uh, this whole idea of equality and uh, women in leadership really is 
we are, we are not, equality does not equal same. And I think the more we try to make men and women the same in leadership is actually the detriment to us and embracing the way we're each different and what that brings to a staff is actually how you get the strongest staff. What do you think some of the disadvantages of women in leadership are? Oh, wow. Well, uh, so disadvantages to women in leadership, I think, are um, women. There's obviously a whole nother level of complexity when you break up the boys club, I'm just going right. to be honest. Uh, so right. things feel different. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a different levels of tensions and boundaries that, uh, you know, we'd all be crazy to act like, you know, that doesn't exist or doesn't happen. Uh, but it doesn't make women in leadership wrong. It makes us have to be mature leaders and face the way, you know, what God's done and the way that God's created us, the battles that we all are going to have. Um, but so I think there's a disadvantage to that, you know, what feels nice and tight, like the boys locker room, uh, may not feel like that anymore. And so that, right. that messes sometimes with the chemistry and the way things have always been the buddy, buddy stuff. Uh, so I would say that's probably one of the quick ways that it's easy just to say, we don't, we don't believe in this or we don't want to do this, uh, because it does tip some, some chemistry issues in the room. So that's, yeah, I've never thought about it that way, but you're, you're absolutely right. I, what is, what has surprised you the most about being a woman in church leadership? Oh, wow. Well, a lot of things have surprised me. Um, I think one of the biggest surprises is it's not an issue for most men. It's really not. Most people don't care if their leader is a male or female. They want someone who's confident Mm -hmm. and someone who's competent and and Mm -hmm. gender is a non-issue to them. Um, Now, I'm not saying to everyone, but that has been a surprise to me. Another really big surprise is often women are our biggest barriers to women in leadership, not men. Explain Uh, Okay, sure. Uh, so I think, and I don't know if it's just that, you know, church is, is a little bit behind culture and as far as embracing women in, in leadership and executive roles, senior roles. And so in my, in my experience, even if a church believes in women leadership, there tends to be this mentality or this notion that there's room at the table for one. It's a one person token. We believe in this. We're going to give it to one lady on the team or one person. And what it ends up doing is creates a scarcity mentality among women that success is, even though we're open to it, is very limited for the women, that there is a ceiling except for that one chosen lucky one. Um, And what happens anytime scarcity is involved, whether it's food, whether it's leadership, whether it's success, power, it's, it becomes dog eat dog and it becomes a mentality of watch your back and get up, get, get, get your fill and what you need. And so oftentimes I see more women destroy each other in leadership than I actually do see the men do that. Wow. Yeah. See, I would have never picked up on that because (laughs) Your men are men are clueless when it comes to when it comes to a lot of that stuff. <laughs> well, saying that, do you think do you feel like there's still inequality with women in leadership? Because you said you know, uh, and that was a really good point. You know, there's the one woman at the table, so a lot of churches can kind of like point to her and put her on all the pictures. This is our leadership team. Yeah, yeah. So do you think do you think there's still inequality issues? Uh, I do. I do. I think that uh, pay is still probably one that, you know, my biggest question would be, do you pay a woman on your senior leadership team the same that you pay a man who has a stay-at-home wife? Um, If the answer is no, 
there is still a pretty big inequality issue there uh, because the job is the job. And so, um, you know, um, so I would say that that happens a lot. Um, and it even happens in the mindset of other people on our team. It's not just a senior leadership issue. I, I know that um, I often have people, you know, that um, would like a raise or something like that because their wife is choosing to stay home, which I, I, I thought I was always going to be a stay at home wife and mom. So I totally understand and value that. But the thought that because a woman is working or God has called her to do that would in some way punish her family um, or set them back uh, is, is still a big, to me in my mind, a big issue of inequality there. Um, I also think, and this is a little touchy, Perry, but I'd yeah. say appearance <laughs> is still, it's, it's, I understand that appearance for all leaders is uh, important, but I, I do not personally believe that it's the same for a man and a woman. And right. um, if, if, if you're an overweight woman, <laughs> you'd make a great assistant, but a, not a good senior leader. Wow. And think about, you know, the Baptist church you grew up in, how many male senior leaders, executive leaders were overweight. I, I've never even seen um, a female senior leader um, that might would struggle with that. So I do think as women, we have a, a, a big issue with that. I remember one time I told my girlfriend, I'm going to write my first book on uh, never lead a meeting in flats. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because you can't leave men in flats. They don't listen. <laughs> and she goes, well, don't you think we have a problem? It's like, you know, that her and I got to laugh and to talk about it. Because it's true, though. I would never, ever do that, you know. And I think sometimes just understanding that appearance is important for both. But it is the, it's a very, very, still a very big thing in the, in the female culture of leadership. So, so you think, there's, there, you think there's, there's more pressure on women in regards to appearance than, than men. Most definitely. Yeah. Most I would, definitely. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You know, it's, it's, I would 100% agree with that. And, you know, we've, we've chatted about this briefly before, but, um, you know, I think, I, I feel like personally that churches that don't embrace women in leadership in some way, shape, form, or capacity are going to continue to to diminish and relevancy because you made a statement and it was so, it was so good that women are going to relate to 50% of your audience. When in actuality, it's probably 60% of the women, 40% men coming to church because you know, guys don't go to church or whatever. So, and, but unfortunately the only role that, that usually that seat at the table is like for the, the children's, the children's Kids ministry. Yeah, we, <laughs> We don't believe in women in ministry, but um, we need them all to go into the children's ministry. And exactly. But there are women out there that are capable of doing, and that's not to diminish children's ministry. It's just women are capable of doing so much more than I think we've typically given them credit for. Well, correct. And, and, and honestly, leadership is, 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 is leadership. Sometimes the department is just, I mean, it's a mute point. If you can, if you can, fix things and lead teams and it doesn't matter if it's a children's ministry or the group's ministry or the first impressions ministry it's the same gift set that's being manifested any everywhere so you know i think we've definitely um hurt ourselves in the sense that we've got incredible incredible uh, even in our children's ministries leaders but are we even opening that box to think of them in more non-traditional roles that might actually help move the ball significantly forward inside our organizations and in reaching people so um Yes, I completely, completely agree with that. And I would say as, as leaders, if, if we say we believe in women in leadership, but the only place we ever have them is our, is our children's ministry, I would, I'd probably challenge that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, tell me this. This is a, this is a good this is a good question. As a as a male senior leader, what advice would you give me if I wanted to truly support women in leadership? So you're talking to a senior pastor right now, and you're saying, Perry, if you're gonna put women at the leadership table, this is the advice I would give you. Okay. Be honest. Be honest. I mean, I, I am. I feel like you're making me step on all the elephants. <laughs> no, one of the things we're known for on this podcast is being real blunt. And so I promise you, um, you can say anything and it's going to get turned back on me. So I don't care. I, I Actually, that's a safe place to be. I do agree with that. <laughs> it really is. And I, I'm, you know, in the process of hiring staff and stuff like that. And I will have women at the leadership table. So what do I need to know? Like, what, what, what are you going to tell me right now? Okay. I would say first and foremost is flexibility. That as a male senior leader, if you really believe in women and you really want to help uh, develop their leadership gifts as well inside your organization, you've got to be a leader that's okay with flexible schedules. Uh, and you have to measure women are not women, but in my case, I'm going to say a woman. Um, I, I believe in this for everyone nowadays, but for women, especially we've got to measure them by their bottom line, by their productivity and by what they get done. Not if they're in the office at 801 to, you know, 532 or whatever, uh, because whether we like it or not, it's still the, the common tendency is mom still gets called when kids are sick. Mom still does the sports physicals, the dentist appointments, the doctor's appointments, the house care, the management. And in, I know in my case, if I have not worked for uh, senior leaders that were okay with providing the flexibility, I'll outwork anybody on my team. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave maybe office an hour early to get some of those other things done, other callings in my life, but I'm going to be back on the computer as soon as my kids go to bed till 11 o'clock at night. Right. Uh, so it's not outworking. I'm not ever asking for a less work uh, schedule or work effort or anything, any less expectations, never, never, never. But flexibility, I believe you will see numerous high-level women that would step up if we would offer a little more flexibility. So that would probably be my first and foremost. Um, and I think the other thing is uh, listening to women in, in leadership or at different tiers inside the organization. And, and the reason I say this is I, I have worked in mostly Southern uh, churches. I now work in South Dakota, but inside uh, churches, oftentimes, I don't know the stats to know how much um, this is still happening, but lots of times many pastor's wives choose a, a, a traditional stay-at-home wife, mom role, which is amazing. I'm not at all at all uh, looking down on that. I think that is absolutely amazing if God has provided and allowed that to happen, but right. that's not culture. 70 to 75% of women are in, in, in the workforce. And so what I have found in the church is that we develop all of our discipleship tracks all of our growth tracks based on their wives. And I, I have feel like I've said it till I'm blue in the face. Like your wife is not our prototype of who we're trying to reach. Right. And so in the way I say that Perry is oftentimes we sit in church and we say, okay, you just need to be still and know God. You just need to hear him. You need to stop your phone. You need to stop all the distractions, but you need to make enough money to give 10%. You need to come to a small group once a week. You need to bring your kids to student ministry. You need to serve one, attend one. And all the working moms are like, 
there's no way. Like I have to keep my phone on. I have to keep working. I have to, there's no way to do what you're actually telling me is the answer to some problems in my life because of the the way that we have, we have taught people. This is how you grow in your walk with the Lord. This is how you're discipled. And lots of times the discipleship tracks are built still based on a very traditional mindset of the wife stays home, the husband works full time. And so to be out three, four nights a week is no big deal to be involved in those things, but that's not the reality of the culture. Um, that we live in. It's not what most of us are doing. And we're over here trying so hard (laughs) because we want to grow in our relationship with the Lord and we want to be connected to the church and we don't want to do life alone. I know that you tell us not to do life alone, but my gosh, this is going to kill me and I'm going to end up exhausted and exacerbated. And so I believe that working women, even on your staff, have a lot of insight into how we now do discipleship inside the church as well. So that's really good. I hadn't even thought about that, about the particular discipleship models being, um, and that's even, I think that's even in a, in a man's mindset. We're like, Hey, we, we get, but at the end of the day, let's be honest. If you break it down as a pastor, you could technically say you get paid to read your Bible. Um, so when we tell people read your Bible, (laughs) they don't get paid for it, but we do. And yeah, that's, that's a, that, that might be a whole nother podcast topic because my mind is spinning in 400 different directions. And I've, uh, it's time for me to take my ADD medicine. So I'll, I'll keep. Oh going. gosh, me and you alike, then we're going to be in trouble. I know, right? <laughs> Either this is going to be a great podcast or we're going to trash it. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're putting this up. This is great. <laughs> you know, this, that kind of leads into something you just said. I want to ask you this. So for a full-time work, for a full-time working wife, mom, and senior leader, and, and I'm asking you this because you've done it, can can balance ever really be achieved? I mean, what advice do you have for women who are saying, okay, I am a senior leader or I do have a leadership team, but I'm also a wife, but I'm also a mom. And where that's like, how do you manage that tension? Because yes. when women ask me that, I'm like, I don't know. I'm a man. I have no idea. I'll pray for you. <laughs> yes. And I think it's the greatest tension for not even in the church. I think it's the greatest tension for women today uh, mm-hmm. in, in working women for sure. Uh, those in senior le- leadership, 100%. You've got to be, you know, a CEO of your home and you've got to, you know, be, be supporting wife and, and also help run a, run an organization. So it's definitely, it's something that it's never going to go away. The answer is never going to be clear. I, I, I have tried, I have tried to quit my calling so many times, Barry. <laughs> so many times I have tried and I, I find myself right back in it. And I'm like, no, I just want to be a wife and a mom. And, and I, no matter how hard I try, I land right back in it. And so I know, I, I truly believe that God is wired and equipped um, those, some of us to do that. And, um, and he's going to make it possible. And I've got a few key things I would say. First off, I would relax and take a deep breath and know that if he has called you to this, your kids are wired to be your kids. They're not wired to be a stay-at-home mom's kids. They're not wired to be the mom who cooks Mickey Mouse gluten-free pancakes. Like that's not who God made your kids to need. And so, you know, I remember one day I just started sobbing because my daughter literally was walking around the house and she had on my uh, name tag for church and she had a, a, a hairbrush that she was using as a microphone. I know people have kids that like that, that do that and they're singing to themselves because they're worship pastors. And my daughter was literally in a room leading a meeting <laughs> with a microphone and my name tag, you know, in a, in a, in a jacket on like a little suit coat. And, um, although I've never worn a suit coat in my life, but, um, but regardless, she, 
that was her ideal of what she was going to be and what she wanted to be. And so it just reminded me in that moment that our kids are wired to be our kids. And the best thing that we can do, it's not, it's not what you're called for that would ever hurt your kids. It's your reaction and your attitude towards what you're called to that wow. hurts your kids. So when I'm miserable about what God has called me to, then my kids will feel that and take that on. But when I love what God has called me to do and I wake up talking about it and I'm energetic when I come home and we celebrate those things together, man, that just infuses a love and a passion for them too. So that's the first thing I would say is know that your kids are wired to be your kids and so is your husband. Uh, the second thing I would say is um, it really does depend on your husband. It depends on if you have a husband that has a very uh, traditional mindset of what a wife needs to be and, um, and should be in the home. And if, um, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. If you don't have a husband that says, okay, some nights we're going to high find the driveway. Okay. You got halfway through full, full net load, uh, laundry. I'll finish it up for you. I got the dishwasher. I got this. I, and, and you, I mean, I, if you feel called to ministry, the number one thing I could tell you is marry well, don't marry, don't marry a traditional Baptist. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can say that cause I came out of the Baptist church. Yeah, I'm totally kidding. The piano leading the children's choir. That's right. That's right. But if you feel called to what you're doing, marry someone that looks at marriage as let's divide and conquer type mm. marriage, not I need dinner waiting on me. And, and when I get home from work and you know, this is your roles and this is mine. And so um, if you can have a divide and conquer mentality together and the teamwork and camaraderie that that builds is amazing and intimate too. There's not one way to build intimacy. Um, and, and so to me, that's a number. So your kids are wired for it. Your husband has to be wired and on board with that. And, um, the final thing I would say is don't, don't try to do it all. Just don't even try immediately. Perry, when I, when I've been offered positions, uh, my husband, and I immediately take 35% off the top of my salary and say, this is what you're going to bring home. And this is what it's going to take to manage the things that you're going to hand over. Right. If I, if I tried to bring home that 90%, my, you know, my hundred percent, my, my size, if I tried to bring that home and we set our budgets based on that, I would be so exhausted, miserable. Um, and people hire you because you're good at what you do, but they hire you for your attitude. You're energetic, especially ministry. You're passionate. You're excited. The worst thing you can do is exhaust yourself. And it's 99% of the time what I see happen to women in ministry because they, they're passionate about what God's doing in their church. They take a job, but they're still trying to do the laundry every day. They're still trying to clean the house. Immediately, I'm like, take 35% of this. Go get yourself a house cleaner. Get yourself someone occasionally that can, can pick up some errands if you can't get them done, right. that can help kids with homework, whatever that is. But set aside that money right off the top and don't try it. You're not trying to prove to me, your husband, or anyone else that you can do it all. And I think so often we just keep trying to add to it. Um, rather than saying, no, it's always an exchange and never, never feel guilty to exchange temporal things that have to be done every single day, like cleaning toilets and vacuuming carpets for eternal things. And if God is calling you to do that and you're going to be disciple or you're going to be building disciples, heck, <laughs> fork over the paycheck. Don't be greedy. Fork over the paycheck and buy some margin in your life, you know? So that's, that's real what good. I would say. Well, and, and, you know, you brought up, you brought up the husband, which you, you've got, Chris is just you and Chris are both unicorns. I mean, y'all are so unique and so are your kids. I mean, I can so see your little girl running around <laughs> with a hairbrush. What do you, what would you say? So obviously there's a lot of men listening. So what would you say are some of the, the best things that Chris does you know, understand that everybody's wired differently, but like you feel, you obviously feel loved and supported by Chris in a leadership ministry role. What are some things that he does that you go, Hey, he gets it. My husband loves and supports me. 
Yeah, uh, I think that first and foremost, um, exactly that. He's never, ever, it's a sacrifice for him to be married to me. I tell him all the time, if I die, I know you're going to go marry a woman that just wants to serve you. <laughs> like, I just know it's like, and the, I just know I'm like, your, your, your alternate reality has got to be somebody that is like, Oh, here's a hot dinner for you. Right. You work so hard today, you know? Um, but you know what? He is never, ever, ever, uh, put that, uh, pressure on me. He's never, he says that it's because he grew up homeless. So it's like, well, when you grow up with peanut butter and jelly, you know, from the local shelter, you really, you're good with mac and cheese. I mean, it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's warm. Hey, yeah, Chick-fil-A so, Chick yeah, yeah. Right, right. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So some things really, that has really worked out in my favor, but no, for the most part, like no matter how much he's known, it's going to cost him to put extra on art and put extra on his plate. He has always pushed me to get out there. He's recognized what, you know, I think recognize what your spouse is good at mm -hmm. and realizing that they have a calling too. And you don't get to stand together, arms locked in front of God at the end of all this. You have to stand individually. And mm -hmm. she's got gifts and talents that need to be developed. And, and a big part of marriage is sacrificing so the other one's gifts and talents can be developed. And so um, mm -hmm. I think that, that that's the number one thing he does is keeps pushing me. Even times I've been through some tough stuff in leadership, get back in the game. Like you can't turn it off. It's not ever going to be done until you're completely gone from this world, Holly. So time to get back in the game, time to get back. Oh, I made a phone call for you. I'm like, no, you did it. I'm like, kill you. <laughs> phone call for you. <laughs> I've actually seen him do that before. That's, that's, that's real good. I've seen that. Like I, I've seen that happen. Yes. Um, yes. Well, we cover, we covered a lot of ground. Is there, is there anything that we didn't cover that you like, Oh, I wish we'd have talked about that. Is there anything that you would say to women out there that just might, that one last thing that might encourage them a little bit more, any, any closing thoughts? Uh, yes. Okay. So I have one, um, that I would just say probably out of obedience and you could totally cut this Perry. Uh, I if you decide to cut this, no, gonna... then I'm not going to say it. No, you gotta say it. You gotta say it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, what I would, what I would say, and this is, um, unfortunately, uh, some I've lived and learned a little bit here, but I will say this, that, and I mentioned at the beginning that there are different tensions when women are involved in leadership. And I, I think as I've, I've been at this for uh, a little over a decade now, what I am realizing is obviously the enemy is coming in to, to kill, steal, and destroy whenever, however he can get in. And it's, no, no surprise to anybody that he comes in sexual ways or in emotional ways. That's just how he's always, always has worked. Uh, what I would say as a woman in leadership, if, if, if I could tell, if I was sitting across coffee with a, with a girl that is, is growing in her leadership, I would say when you love what somebody else loves and when you can do things well and take weight off people, you've got to set some boundaries because that is an attractive thing. You are wired for the same thing. You are built for the same thing. And there's a lot of us that have spouses that want nothing to do with what we're doing. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to be involved in it. But when that's what keeps you up at night and that's what stresses you out, it doesn't matter male or female, you are so appreciative to the person that says, I love that too. And I want to think about that solution. And I want to dream about that. And I want to be there in that. So that's no surprise. Like my best friends are girls that have run with me in ministry and said, I love what God has wired you for. And we're going to do this together. Those are our best friends. Now insert opposite relate sexes in that. And, and you just have 
to be wise and be aware of where, where, where those boundaries are that, that, you know, I've had to learn, like, I'm not your best friend. I might be your executive pastor, but I'm not your best friend. You, I, I'm not your, I can't sleep at night. Call me at 11 PM and, um, and let's chat through this, you know, but here's the, why I say that is because every way that I was mentored to be a good executive pastor was by males. Obviously I didn't know a female that did this. But now that I look back, so much of my training is completely inappropriate. <laughs> and I've had to learn different ways to do that, that I don't get to when, when it's been a tough work day and you guys all say, hey, let's go out to dinner and let's hang, you know, females don't get included on that and they don't get to be a part of that and they don't get to be the buddy. Well, there's buy-in that comes with that. There's solutions that you solve. And so, you know, you may feel like you're getting behind sometimes as a female leader in those ways. Um, and I just, and, and so I would just say, uh, don't, don't settle on those boundaries because not because I wouldn't be in this if I didn't trust my senior leader and my senior leader wouldn't have me if he didn't trust me. Exactly. It's not, it's the enemy I don't trust. And mm. it's also, you've got to, as a female, define new ways of, of creating buy-in with your senior leader that it's not going to, you're not going to read about it in the books. You're not going to read about, you know, it's just not out there yet. Um, I hope this podcast will help with that kind of stuff, but you've got to outwork, (laughs) you've got to outwork, you've got to out, 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 um, out think and out strategize, but you don't give out those boundaries and and just be careful with that. So that would probably be my biggest thing. So when all the guys are going out to dinner, you, you just say, Hey, Hey guys, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to bow out on this one. Yeah. Or sometimes it's not all. Yes. I mean, sometimes females, obviously we won't, we don't always have the same ability to say, you know, Oh yeah, someone's got my kids or whatever. But I do think also, you know, if if you have a male executive pastor and it's been a rough week and you got to solve something, you're not going to think twice about saying, Hey, let's go out for dessert and coffee and figure this out tonight. Right. Well, you can't do that if you have a female executive pastor. And so that's going to frustrate the senior leader sometimes. And that's going to frustrate you because you still want to solve the problem. Does that make sense? But um, there's, there's a world of, of other people watching and, and issues and, and things and just, you know, wisdom that comes with that. So I say that because nobody ever, uh, and not by any, it's just when everyone in this world has been men before, they don't think about it. They don't think about going and grabbing, you know, a cup of coffee together or, hey, it's 1130 at night. I can't sleep because so our, our number two told us he's going to resign tomorrow. What are we going to do about it? You know? Um, but, um, it can cause, it can cause some big issues. Um, and so, uh, my, my hope would be just as women that we, we understand that we could still be great executive leaders and, and, and not have to be that buddy, uh, best friend type thing. So, yeah, I think it's just standing out to me. I think, and this is a, this is a hypothesis, but I think I'm right. And it's, and it's my podcast. So I think I'm, I really think I'm right. But I think maybe one of the reasons that women don't, I think, I think you just hit the nail on the head is because it's, I'll just be honest with, with you for, for me as a guy, it's easier for me to, to lead a guy. Yeah. What you just described, that's going to take some work. That's going to take some conversation. That's going to take building some serious uh, boundaries and trust and, like, you know, if I can't sleep at 1130 at night, I don't call the female executive pastor. I pop some popcorn and watch SportsCenter because, <laughs> like, right. because we can right. solve it the next morning. We can, we can totally solve it the next morning sitting at a conference table or at, at the office or, or whatever. 
Exactly. Exactly. So, and, um, and I just think, you know, there is that fear of sometimes for female, not, I'm not, I'm spraying my head like, oh man, I'm getting behind because the other executives and the senior pastor went out to, to dinner tonight, you know, and so they handled this problem without me. And so I just, my encouragement is that that's not, that's not, it, you can still be a great executive pastor and you can still lead around. And my dream, I mean, honestly, Perry, like when you ask me what I dream of, if you look at I don't want to say generation before me, so I don't want to offend them because they're not that much older than me. But like you look at the Lisa Turkers and the Beth Moores and the and the Joyce Myers. See, these are all women that are very, very, very gifted leaders. But the local, they've all had to start their own ministries outside of the local church. Yeah. My heartbeat was that would be that somebody that can be wired like that because we've all fallen under your your leadership, Stephen Frederick's leadership, uh, Craig Rochelle's leadership that says the hope the the church is the hope of the world. Well, that has put some of us in some really frustrating places because I believe the church is a hope of the world. But if I really want to reach my potential, I got to go start a nonprofit outside of it that I'll never believe in as much as I believe in the church. So how do I work out my calling when the church is what I believe in more than anything? But the only avenue for me to work out what God has put inside of me is to go start something on my own that I can lead and that I can develop and have these boundaries and have these things set in place. And my, my dream would be that we're going to be able to partner together as male and female senior leaders and say, we can keep some of these really strong voices and really strong leaders inside the organization of the local church. And they can serve not, I mean, I know all their organizations help the local church, but they can serve inside these doors and what, what just imagine the potential of what would happen um, in the body of Christ if, if, if people that are wired at that level and that gifted could, could find their place and lead in stretching ways and ways that grow them inside the local church. And I think that's the future. <laughs> it just calls for a culture shift. And, that, and yes. you know as well as I do, the church, um, the, the church is always, I mean, well, time travel exists. You can walk into a lot of churches and step back 20 to 25 years and that's time travel. And so, but one of the things yes. I think I'm seeing and I'm super encouraged by is I am seeing more and more churches step up and embrace women in senior leadership roles. And um, God is not judging those churches for that. He seems to be blessing and rewarding them. Cause like you said, people walk in and they feel like there's more of a connection because everything wasn't planned by all men. Oh man. And I think too, I mean, I, I, I've heard all the arguments and all the verses and all that stuff, but the truth is I, this is what I always go back to Jesus himself. The first person he chose to show up to after he rose from the dead was a female. And then he told her, go tell the male leaders that are leading this movement, the good news. So the first person ever charged to preach the gospel to male leaders was a female. And yeah. so, and I, I get the whole women, you know, the women are helper, but the truth is I'm called to be submissive to my husband. I'm called to be submissive to my leader and I'm called to be submissive to, to government that has been elected over me. I don't have to be submissive to Joe Schmo, who, who is an idiot and, and treats his wife like crap. Like, because I'm a female, I have to know I submit to Chris. And uh, if Chris, if, if, if the continuum of, of, let's just say our walk with the Lord is like on an A to Z, you know, Z is when we meet Jesus and A is where we're at the first day we, we uh, come to know him, then if my husband's an M, then I, I, I'm good. I can be anywhere from A to M. I can lead anybody in there. Men, women, females, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I need to be under my husband's covering, but I don't, there's a lot of men in the church world that are younger than me 
that haven't been at this as long as I am. And, and, and I am not being an unsubmissive follower of Christ by leading them. Um, and so I think that somewhere along the lines, we've, we've kind of gauged this like, so when my son turns 18, now I got to submit to him cause he's a grown male in the church. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm still going to smack him if he's being a pain in the butt. And I'm still going to, no, <laughs> that is and somewhere along the line, how we've developed this because there's a man in the room, a female can't hold a position of authority or speak on authority, um, is, is really, really crazy when you think of, um, of, of how Jesus did this after he rose from the dead and how, what submission was really meant to look like in the context of marriage, um, or in our working relationships. So that might be my favorite five minute rant ever. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was so good. Cause I, I, I agree. I know people that have, uh, theological reasons for it, but, um, at the end of the day, I could debate the theology. I mean, I can, I can debate either side and I'm still going to, I, I'm 100% agreed. If it wasn't for the women, we, we still might not know the tomb is empty. So, so thank God that the women had the courage while the men were having a meeting, trying to figure out. How to, <laughs> how to do a strike. Right. I don't right. Know. And I just love that it was the male leaders too, because I think that's where we get hung up a lot is yep. that, uh, that it's, it's, well, it's male leadership. You can't, you know, and it's like, nope, he told her, go tell the male leaders, go tell the people leading this movement about me and about the good news. You go be the first one to preach the gospel. So I kind of take that as my stamp. I don't, whoever's in the room, if God has charged me to preach the gospel, I have complete freedom to be Mary Magdalene and preach that gospel as much as I can. So um, I hope that is helpful to some women who struggle with the oppression of that a little bit. There's not a doubt in my mind, Holly, I, I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> We're going to have you back for round two and not too far because this has been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for your time. And for those podcast listeners, um, Holly, where do people find you on social media? Are you on um, Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or? Yep. I, I am on uh, Twitter at Holly Brown one at Gmail or Holly Brown one. And then on uh, Instagram at Holly Brown 11. Holly Brown 11. All right. And so Holly is, Holly's a phenomenal leader. You can follow her on Instagram and Twitter. And if we can help you in any way here at the growth company, check out our website at IWantMyChurchToGrow.com. We would love to be able to serve you with resources, consulting. Um, if we can help you answer any questions, let us know. And we will see you back here next week on the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We hope you had a blast spending time with us. For more thoughts on leadership, visit Perry's blog at perrynoble.com.